good, very good. My name is Ryan. If you do not know me, I saw a lot of new faces tonight, so welcome to United. If you have never been here, and a special welcome to our parents that came out tonight. Some of you were invited by your children. Some of you came in spite of your children. But I thank you for coming in spite of your children if they were the ones that uh, didn't want you to come. Um, once again, my name is Ryan. Welcome to United. We're starting a new series tonight called The Circle Maker. And this, uh, this uh, series will take us through the rest of the semester. Um, it'll kind of bookend Epworth, so we'll stop for a week or two, and then we'll uh, come right back to it, and we'll close the uh, 2015 year with The Circle Maker. And what The Circle Maker is about um, is it's really about prayer. It's a, it's a series about prayer, and it's based upon a book called The Circle Maker. And, and many of you have heard of it. Many of you have read it. We read it with our uh, leadership students last year. Um, a lot of our staff read it together. There's also a devotional based around the book um, that I've read and we used in Jamaica. So many of you are familiar with it. Um, but it's a, it's a book about prayer, and it's my favorite, one of my favorite books, and it's definitely my favorite book about prayer. Uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff out there about prayer, and, and I've found that a lot of it is very, um, it's very like regimented, like this is how you pray. And I, I don't really think that that's the most important thing when it comes to prayer. And what the Circle Maker uh, really uh, emphasizes is the story and the power behind prayer. What happens when you pray? The, the testimonies of people um, that have spent time on their knees praying before an almighty God. Um, and so what we're going to do over the next uh, five weeks is we're going to talk about different, um, different uh, emphasis um, points with prayer. And, and different things that we need to emphasize when it comes to prayer. Such as praying boldly, praying specifically praying long-term, um, and, and things like that. So we'll take, a, we'll take one of those each week. But this week, we're just going to talk about the circle maker, circle maker altogether. Um, and it starts with Honey's story, uh, as we just heard it read by Sydney. Um, Honey was a, uh, a, a first-century B.C. rabbi, and um, so this is about 100 years, the generation before Jesus Christ. And um, Honey was, was, was a rabbi that was kind of known as kind of an outsider, a little bit radical. And the reason he was thought of this way was because he was, um, he was a little bit different than the people in that day. The people in that day um, had a lot of regiments, and he believed in a relationship. He believed in a relationship with God. He believed that he could pray straight to God, that he could talk to God with boldness. And, and, and what we were in was, a, was a, about a 400-year period of silence. It had been 400 years, about 300 years actually. They were about 300 into the 400 years of silence before Jesus. But they had been about 300 years since there had been a prophet. So in about 300 years, no one had heard from God audibly. No one had seen miracles from God. The people kind of just got into their day-to-day -day habits and, um, and it kind of just moved away from, from really seeing and knowing God personally. It was more of just a, a religion not so much based on knowing God. And so we're in this period of silence, this period of time where, where no one really talks to God this way. And there's one man, Honey the circle maker, Honey the rabbi. And, 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 and what he does is there's this, there's this period of time where there was a, a severe drought in the land of Israel. And, um, and, and usually it would begin to rain in the winter time. And it was deep into winter and it had not rained once. And, and as, uh, I hate rain, personally. I, I hate rain. I hate being wet. I hate puddles. I hate getting my shoes wet. I hate like well, I hate summer, as you can as you can imagine, because it rains every single day, torrential downpour. I, I I hate rain, but that's probably because we live in a place with a ton of rain, where it pours all the time. 
Um, people that live in deserts do not hate rain. In fact, rain is like a life giver in deserts. Rain is, is, is the only thing that keeps people alive. People beg for rain. They pray for rain. And you don't appreciate rain until you don't have rain. And so they were in this period of drought, and they were, the, the cisterns were empty, the, the caves were empty, the wells were empty. The people of Israel were, were beginning to wonder, you know, are we going to be able to make it? You know, the, the well's running dry, and we don't have much to go. And so Honey uh, decides that he is going to draw a circle around himself, and he will not leave the circle until God answers the prayer. And so he, he spent some time um, in prayer, and, and he didn't just do it alone in a room. A lot of times we think prayer should only be an alone thing. But he said, I'm willing to get out and put God's name at stake. And so he went out in front of all the people. He drew a circle around himself, and he said, I will not leave this circle until God answers my prayer. And he began to pray out loud, not quietly in, in his heart, but out loud in front of all the people. He prayed specifically, and he prayed with no doubt. He didn't pray kind of like, oh, you know, God, if you're listening and if, if it's in your will, according to your will. A lot of times we give God an out clause and we're like, yeah. If it's, if it's according to your will. He, he didn't do any of that. He, he boldly stood before people and out loud asked God, begged God to send rain. And, and after a period of time, rain starts to fall. And it's a, it's a light sprinkle. And, you know, a light sprinkle in the midst of a drought's not really going to help you. And so he continued to specify his prayer. He says, God, not, not for this kind of rain. I'm talking about rain that floods Israel. And so it began to rain so hard that the people had to run to the Temple Mount, which was the highest part of the city, because there were flash floods and they were, they, they were at danger. And yet he doesn't leave this place. The water's swirling around him, and yet he stays in the circle. And once the prayer for the physical rain has been answered, he moves on to something probably more important, definitely more important. He begins to pray for the rain of the Spirit of God to fall down on Israel to change hearts. We have this song called Let It Rain. A lot of our students love it. It's an old song, but it's about God's spirit raining down on us. And that's basically the prayer he began to pray. God, we don't just want a torrential downpour. We don't just want water in our cups. We want the rain of your spirit. We want to feel you in our lives. We want you to fill up our souls. And so Honey, uh, basically through his prayer, through the bold circle-making prayer, saved a generation of Israel. Actually saved the generation that had the generation of Jesus. Who, who knows about uh, even if, if, if Mary and Joseph's parents were in this generation, if perhaps they might have passed on because of, because of the rain being gone and, and because of drought and they die of thirst and then, and then what happens? He was an important part of the story that we see in the New Testament. And so what is prayer? What is prayer? A lot of times we might say, well, that's a simple answer. You know, it's, it's the Lord's prayer. Or it, you know, it's, 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 it's I have to talk to God. I, I have to, I'm supposed to talk to him. The Bible tells me I'm supposed to pray. Um, there's different prayers that we've prayed throughout generations uh, of the Christian church. There's memorized prayers. There's, there's prayers that uh, a pastor or a priest speaks over the people. There's, um, there, there's a lot of different types of prayers. But here's a very simple definition of prayers and prayer. And if you have notes, you can, you can take notes. You can write on them. That's for you. Um, it's our opportunity to talk to God. 
prayer is our opportunity to talk to God. The word opportunity is a very important word because the word opportunity signifies something that we should be excited to do. Now, a lot of times our definition looks like this, our obligation to talk to God. That's kind of what we think of as prayer. We might not say it, but that's really the way we treat it. I I do it all the time. Oh, oh, I need to pray. I haven't prayed in two days. I need to pray. It's time for me to pray. Well, I I haven't had like a long prayer time, so so it's time for me to pray. I I need to pray. And a lot of times we look at it like an obligation instead of an opportunity to talk to the God of the universe. In Philippians 4, 6, um, the writer talks about, um, the writer talks about prayer. This is what he says in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. Which situation? Every. That means all. In every situation. That means in the good, in the bad, in the medium, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It is our opportunity to talk to God. And, and, and the thing about it is we don't always necessarily get what I want or what we want. I, uh, I was in Atlanta last night, and, um, and I was in a stadium um, <laughs> that, is, that, is, that belongs to the—, the uh, the Technical Institute of Georgia, um, and uh, and we were sitting there. We drove up there for the Florida State Georgia Georgia Tech game, um, and as th- those of you who moan know, it, it didn't end so well for the for the good guys. And um, in, in fact, it was a gut wrenching loss. Um, and just and, and just earlier that day, I had said, "Man, if anything like the thing that happened in Michigan last week ever happened to my team, I don't know what I would do." And I had said that literally hours before the game, and then. That happens. So, um, and so we don't always get the answers to our prayers, right? But as I left, there was, a, there was a peace that washed over me. And I feel that it was a peace from God because I, I, I looked, at the, looked at the field. I watched the scoreboard turn. I took a deep sigh, and I said, let's go home. Let's just go home. It's going to be okay. And we were with the Bachman twins, and Katie Bachman goes to Florida State, and she was furious. And I was just like, come on. Come on, young lady. Let's go. Let's go. It's okay. We've only lost twice in three years. We lost like 18 times when I was in college. So, you know, we, sometimes you lose. But sometimes we experience the peace of God, and we don't necessarily experience the answer that we want. But just like any other conversation, if we have a chance to conversate with God, just like any conversation, there are certain things that happen in a conversation between us and other people. And a lot of times we think, well, the conversation between us and God should be different than the conversation between us and our friend, or us and our spouse, or us and our children. Um, and, and so we, we, we kind of differentiate conversations. But the truth is, if it's an opportunity to talk to God, then the conversation might end up going a little bit like real conversations. In real conversations, there are sometimes lulls. There's sometimes periods of silence. There, I have a friend, Andrew, and we would hang out, um, you know, in high school and college and stuff. We could hang out for, you know, four or five hours and there may be periods of time where we didn't talk for like an hour of it. We might be watching TV. We might be, you know, uh, playing a video game or just on, the, uh, on our phone or on our computer. And we wouldn't talk. But it wasn't like it was awkward. It's just like, well, you know, it's okay to just not talk for a little bit. But somehow we go to prayer and we get down on our knees and we start praying. And we pray for 20 seconds and we're like, okay, God, talk to me. And we wait. One, 
seen the Son from above. Okay, God, I guess you have nothing to tell me today. I'm going to go. You have a great day. I'm going to do my thing. You do your thing. Take care of the rest of the world. Have fun. Um, I'm going to go do more important things. And that's the way we approach our conversations with God. But just like any other conversation, there are times where we have to listen. A lot of times we just like to talk, 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 talk. And we're not willing to sit there and just be quiet and listen and hear what God has to say. Just like any other conversation, there may be gaps in the conversation. Just like any other conversation, the less you know the person, the harder it is to hold a conversation. How many people have ever been on a first date or a blind date? That's all? No one's ever been on a first date? Come on, I know a lot of y'all have boyfriends and girlfriends. Okay, um, maybe you're in, like boyfriends or girlfriends where you actually don't go on dates. You just say you're dating. Maybe it's one of those things. But um, if you've been on a first date, you know it gets a little bit awkward. Or maybe it's the first time you hang out with a friend or the first time um, you have a conversation with somebody. And it's just a little awkward. It's like, I hate small talk. I hate it. Hate it, hate it, hate it. Um, so don't small talk me ever. But I hate small talk. I, like, I'm like sitting next to someone and it's like, hey, how you doing? I'm good, man. How you doing? Good. So what's up? Y'all all had these conversations. They're ridiculous. So what's up? We ask, how are you doing, like, eight different ways. Oh, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, work, family, school. Okay. Oh, you see, you see the Jag game today? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, we won for once. Okay. And there's some awkward silence. So, so what's been going on lately? Uh, you know, staying busy. Like, like. I don't I hate that answer, staying busy. Uh, you know, staying busy. <sighs> okay. And we just have these awkward conversations, these small talk conversations. And the truth is, that's what happens when you don't know someone very well. When you, when you don't have much to talk about, when you don't know someone very much, you don't have a lot to talk about. It takes time getting to know somebody. But you'll notice if you were to spend time with your, your boyfriend or girlfriend, your spouse, your best friend, how the conversation just flows. You're not worried about periods of silence. You have plenty to talk about. You talk about friends. You talk about school. You talk about work. You talk about what's on your heart. You talk about the deep things that are going on, the things you're struggling with, the things that are good, the things you're excited about. And yet when we approach God, we, we don't expect these same things in our prayer conversations with him. But again, it's our opportunity to talk to God. And just like any other conversation, our conversations with God are going to be very similar. But there's something very important to realize when we go into a conversation with God. And when we go into a series like The Circle Maker, a series about prayer. And that important thing, and I want you to write this down if you're, if you're writing stuff down, is God is for us. God is for us. When we go into these, these situations where we're talking about talking to God, it's very important we know that God is for us, that we not forget that. I, about a year ago, I was, um, I was, uh, I've had surgery on both my knees. I've torn ACLs in both my knees, and after the first surgery, it, it wasn't really a big deal. I, I kind of recovered and, and played sports, and things were good, um, but after the second surgery on my other knee, both knees started to give me issues, and so it was like this kind of like combination of the two things, and so I was starting to just have pain all the time, um, and I went to the doctor, and they were like, you should get these shots. They might work. They might not. But um, I didn't ever end up getting them because they were like $3,000 each, so that was ridiculous. Um, and so he was like, well, there's nothing wrong with them. They're, they're structurally sound. Uh, 
Basically, he said, deal with it, which was a great thing to hear when I just spent $150 to go to the doctor. But that's, that's what he told me. He said, deal with it, essentially. And so um, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to spend like three months just doing all my, all my exercises, all my, I'm going to swim, I'm going to do lightweight, I'm not going to run, I'm not going to irritate it at all, I'm going to ice it, take anti-inflammatories, all that. And so I did that for a period of time, and, um, and I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start playing sports again. I'm basically done my physical therapy for the past three months. And so I go play, and I still have the same exact pain in both knees. It's, in fact, it was probably worse. So then I was like, well, maybe I can go, uh, maybe I can go just play through it, and I'm just going to try. And it, it's going to suck, and I'm not going to be able to run very fast, and I'm not going to be able to jump very high, but I'm just going to deal with it. I'm just going to kind of truck through it, and maybe if I just play through it, eventually it'll, it'll just go away. And on that day, I went and I played, and I played for like hours, and it was painful the entire time. And finally, I'm just like, I quit. I'm done. So I leave, and, and Cole was at the gym as well, and he was coming out. And as I'm driving away, um, he kind of comes up to me, and, and he jumps in the car, and he's like, hey, man, what's wrong? And he could tell something was wrong with me. And I was like, man, I'm just, I'm just really irritated and upset about my knees. I'm, you know, I'm 28 years old at the time, and it was 27, whatever it was. And, and I've got knees that are basically going to stop me from doing things that I love to do for the next however many years I'm alive. It's not going to get better as I get older. Amen, Jive Weber? All right, okay. Or any parents. Um, uh, but it, it's not going to get better as it gets older. And so, and so he's sitting there talking to me, and, and, and I was just really frustrated because it had been happening for about two years, and I really hadn't been able to play much sports uh, for a long time. And so he finally says, well, have you prayed about it? And I said, well, I started getting really, like, religious, working at church and everything. And I'm like, okay, well, here's the deal, Cole. Um, God's, God's got bigger things to deal with. God's got bigger things to worry about than my knees hurting. I mean, yeah, I mean, I could pray for him, but, you know, it's happened for a reason. Um, there's more important things. There's salvation issues. There's war issues. There's, there's people being hurt and abused. And, and, and what, is, what does God care about my knees? And they're really not bad. I can still walk. People don't have their arms and legs, and I can walk. I can, I'm healthy. I'm walking around without pain. I just can't play sports. And he said, Something very similar to that point. He said, well, Ryan, God's for you. God loves you. God cares about what you care about. And it's like I knew it. I've been told that my entire life. But for some reason, it had kind of left my heart. Like it had kind of gotten to the point where like, yes, I knew it up here, but I didn't really believe it in here. And so that day, he, he just stopped. We're in the middle of the parking lot. He prayed over both of my knees, and I, be, I, I just began to pray over it for an amount of time. And, and about a few months later... The pain was just gone out of my knees. Now, I believe that God did that because there was nothing else that would have made that happen. Now, I did start doing yoga, and maybe that helped as well, but I believe God gave me yoga if that's what made it happen because I, it, it, this is random too. A guy randomly came to our life group. He's a chiropractor. He came one time. He came in. I was talking about it to him. He was like, well, have you ever tried yoga? And I was like, yoga? What's, I mean, what's yoga going to do? I, you know, there's just a bunch of like 50 and 80-year-old women in there, and I'm not... I'm going to be the only guy, and it's just going to be weird. And he was like, trust me, man, just, just try yoga. And, and so I just started going to yoga, and God gave me the power and the strength to go to yoga and, and go four times a week. And so either it was God supernaturally healing me or God supernaturally healing me. Either way, uh, God healed me because it was either through yoga, which I never would have done on my own, and it came from a random source, or it was just supernaturally. But either way, the pain started to leave my knees, and now I rarely encounter it. And I, and I discovered on that day, or rediscovered, that God is for me. God wants to keep promises. 
God wants to answer prayers. God wants to perform miracles. God wants to speak into our lives. But he's just waiting for us to ask. And then I started thinking about some of those other verses in Scripture. You don't have because you don't ask. And we're like, oh, well, that's not really talking to us. That's, you know, if we really get into it, we're talking about God's will, and we're talking about asking according to his will, and we're talking about, we're talking about ministry things and salvation issues. We're not talking about little things. But no, no, no. He says, ask. He says, like a loving father, of course I'm going to give you what you want in your heart of hearts. I'm going to give you what you need because I love you. If, a, if, a, if an earthly father won't give his kid a rock instead of, instead of a, 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 a piece of food or a morsel of food or bread, then, then wouldn't a perfect heavenly father do even better? Of course, I'm going to give you what you want. And, and the thing is, a lot of times we don't believe God is actually for us. We believe that he's just for us sometimes. We believe that he just wants the big things for us. He just wants salvation and grace. He just cares about what we can do for him. He doesn't really care about the things going on in our lives. But the truth is, if we believe God is for us, we're going to pray big prayers. We're going to pray bold prayers. And if we don't believe it, our prayers are going to be small. How many times have you prayed prayers that wouldn't even take an act of God to happen? I do it all the time. Lord, help me, um, you know, help me, help me uh, get to work on time. Well, you know, Ryan, um, if you were to uh, set your alarm clock a little bit earlier and um, give yourself time, you'd get to work on time. That, that's what God's saying. He's like, you don't need me for that. And there's so many times we're praying these small non-divine ordained prayers and god's like challenge me come on challenge me ask me to change your city like we've been praying at 714 with remnant rising and revival ask me to change the heart of your mom or dad ask me to change the heart of your best friend ask me to heal cancer ask me to to give your your parent a job or to to bring your parents back together don't i mean come on ask me to do something that'll show my power and show my glory and yet we just we, we, do, we do these little prayers, and I'm not saying little in terms of, like, they don't matter to God. I'm saying little in terms of, like, we just doubt that God really can do it. That's really what it is. We doubt that God really can do it. Here's another thing I want you to write down. The goal is not to get what we want. I know this is a little bit longer, but you can write down some, some version of it. The goal is not to get what we want. The goal is glorifying God by drawing circles around the things he wants for you. The goal is not to get what we want, but the goal is to draw circles around the things that God wants for us. And that's, uh, I don't know if any of y'all really pay attention, but that's one of the criticisms of the, the Circle Maker book, is that, oh, well, that's prosperity gospel. Oh, well, that's one of those things that's like, you just, you like name it, claim it. Like, if you, if you ask God to do it, he's just going to do it for you. Oh, I want, a, I want a Ferrari, and God will just give it to you. I'm going to circle a Ferrari. I'm just going to keep on circle. I'm going to walk to the dealership and just walk circles around it until God gives it to me. And, and, but that's not what this book is about. The book never says that a, a non-biblical thing, like just ask for things that we want. What the book says and what the Bible says is that God will give us what he wants for us. So the goal isn't just to get the stuff that we want, just to be have like a genie in a bottle, a Santa Claus God. The goal is to, to seek him and draw circles around the things he wants for us. And quickly, I'm going to read about the first, the first circle that was ever uh, drawn in, in Scripture. And it's in Joshua chapter 6. Many of you know it. 
you want to turn with me, Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. I'm going to read quickly. So keep up. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry the trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up. Everyone straight in. The original circle maker, the original prayers circling around the promises of God. God had promised something to the Israelites, and they had walked around avoiding his promise for 40 years. And finally, they're at Jericho, and these huge walls are up there. So in verse 6, so Joshua, son of Nun, called the priest and said, take up the ark. Have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. Uh, Jumping forward to verse 12, it says, Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. Then the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the the ark of the Lord, while the trumpets kept sounding. 14. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to camp. They did this for six days. Now, on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak, and they marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except on that day, instead of doing it once, they did it seven times. On the seventh time, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that are in it, and all that is in it, is to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared, because she hid the spies we sent. 18, but you keep, but keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. 19, all the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. And the last verse, when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. God... God did something on purpose. What he did was he challenged Israel to trust his promise. He had told Abram, who would later become Abraham, hundreds and hundreds of years before, I'm going to give you a great land. Then he had told Moses, you are going to go into the promised land. And then they walked around for 40 years. And then finally he says, okay, Joshua, it's your turn. Go into the promised land. But he said, don't try to fight it on your own. You're going to walk around in circles and you're going to pray. You're not going to talk. You're going to play trumpets and just walk around the city. And imagine the people standing up on the walls looking at the Israelites. This massive army of hundreds of thousands of people walking around in circles and playing instruments. Every day for seven straight days. What God forced them to do was to trust his promise. Hey, Ben, go ahead and come up. So what I want to ask you, and this is on the notes, this is the one thing that I want you to remember. If you remember anything, I want you to... Write down on your piece of paper, what is your Jericho? I want you to answer that question. What is your Jericho? See, the the people of God were walking around this city of Jericho. That is what God had promised to them. That was the thing that they were challenged to pray over. And what we need to ask ourselves as we start this series is what is our Jericho? What is my Jericho? 
What is that thing, that, that one or two, those one or two things in my life that I want God to do? And, and I think you'll quickly find, if you, chat, if, you, if you break it down to one or two things, most of your prayers won't be based around stuff or money or, um, you know, getting more of something. It'll probably be things that are really heavy on your heart, the things that are really going just through your mind day in and day out that you worry about, that you wake up at night about, that you just, that, that you have trouble trusting God with. How is God going to do this? How am I going to do this? How can I figure this out? And what I want you to do is write down your Jericho, keep that card, and what I want you to do over the course of this series, students and parents, this is why we have you here, because we want to do this as a family, is uh, I want you to find a time and place. It could be any time, it could be any place. And I want you to pray over that thing. I want you to circle it in prayer. Just like the Israelites walked around Jericho over and over. They circled the promise of God in prayer. I want you to circle that Jericho in your life in prayer. You see, I, uh, my, my recent story is that I, um, I had this situation kind of where, um, like I said earlier, I kind of began to get too intellectual about prayer. I was like, well, you know. God has more important things. Well, you know, like God's will is already going to happen. What, why should I even pray about it? Like he's going to do what he wants to do. Or, or maybe prayer is just about us. Maybe it's just about feeling better about ourselves. It's really not going to do anything. And for a period, I would say of a couple of years until I read this book and, and did, the, did the devotional attached to it, I began to believe like I began to believe that lie of the world, that lie of Satan that God's not for you. God's not listening to your prayer. There is no power anymore in prayer. You can pray, but, you know, God's going to do what he's going to do. I believed the lie. And, and as I read this book, it challenged me because it talked about praying bold prayers. It talked about praying to God with specific requests. Praying to God over and over. Not just praying once and saying, okay, we'll see what happens. Actually listening to God. Listening to what he wants. And, and in the book, something stuck out to me that just has stuck into my mind ever since and changed my entire stance on prayer. And it was this. God has decided, God has decided that certain signs of his power will only happen in response to prayer. God has decided that certain signs of his power will only happen in response to prayer. There are things that if we don't ask, it's never going to happen. God's waiting for his children to come to him in prayer, to circle his promises in prayer. 